Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. And then they would still come to the temple and make sacrifices. And you see, the person that was making the sacrifice was supposed to be doing this action with faith, believing that through their obedience, the wrath of God against their sin would be mitigated. It would be lessened. It would be forgiven. But the problem was, one of many, that the people got more focused on the ritual and the patterns than the relationship with God. Amen. Let's get into the word. Uh, Today's message is going to come from the book of Isaiah, uh, the first chapter. I'm going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 10 and read verses 10 through 20. Again, that is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, and verses 10 through 20. I'm going to be reading uh, the New International Version of God's Word. Uh, Let's see what it has to say for us today. Amen. Hear ye the word of the Lord. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of ram and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my courts? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your worthless assemblies. Your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals, I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword from the mouth of the Lord has spoken. (laughs) 
the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me, please. O Lord, our God, how wonderful is your name, how magnificent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for this opportunity to gather and delve into your word, Lord God. Here I am, your humble servant, behind your sacred desk. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, that I can point people to you and that they not see me. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, for the time that we get to spend together today, I'd like to talk about the need for clean. The need for clean. Um, since I'm a fan of technology, I have noticed that cleaning technology has changed. I remember growing up washing dishes by hand. Now, I enjoy the benefits of a dishwasher. I also enjoy the benefits now of a washer machine that I don't have to run to to add fabric softener at the right time. I pay attention to the technology. In dealing with the pandemic, I've noticed all kinds of new gadgets that have been made and new devices that help to keep people from spreading germs from one another, keeping things clean. Uh, technology has improved. We have washing machines that you can program and connect to the internet. Uh, we have robotic vacuum cleaners that will go around your house and sweep the floor without you even having to get off the couch. Uh, there are computers and applications that will give you the status of a cleaning device and let you know if any parts need repair. Uh, we have come a long way from scrubbing clothes by hand on washboards and running them through a wringer and then putting them on a clothesline to dry. But no matter how much technology has changed, for cleaning, we still need to clean things. And speaking through Isaiah, God has some opinions about his people and how they need cleaning. Isaiah's name means Yahweh is deliverance, or Yahweh will save, or Yahweh has saved. And Isaiah is considered a major prophet, and the way the, book of the books of the Bible are ordered, Isaiah is first among the major prophets, and that's because Isaiah lived about 150 years before some of the other prophets like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Isaiah had a vision from God, and Isaiah wrote to a people in the midst of trouble. Stop me if you've heard this before, but there's a group of people in an area uh, that's experiencing political expansion, and cities were becoming more urban, and the gap 
between the haves and the have-nots got wider and wider apart. It seemed as if no matter how bad things got, somebody still managed to get rich. And the gap increased, and then the people of God got oppressed during that time. The people turned from God. Things got bad. And then things got worse. And Isaiah wrote this letter, this thing that became the book of Isaiah, begging the people to turn back towards God and truly turn back towards God, not some sort of pretend, really change the way they thought about those things. Israel was conquered and oppressed during this time. And even though the the Hebrew people were oppressed, some figured out a way to still oppress others. They turned from God. And when I say they turned from God, it did not look how we would imagine turning from God looked. You see, these people would still gather for worship. They would still do all the ceremonial ritualistic tasks of a believer. They just didn't live a life outside of the church for God. They could go to church and recite all the liturgy in the hymnal and sing all the hymns without ever cracking open a book. They knew what the order of service was going to be. They probably had the book of discipline. They could recite it by heart. The book of worship, they could call it on command. Recite all the scripture you wanted at the drop of a dime and go as long as you wanted them to. The people had all the right actions, just not the right intentions. You could take those same people out of the church. And if it wasn't some sort of church ritual or church ceremony or something that they did over and over again, you wouldn't even know they were a believer. You wouldn't even know that they were saved. Uh, The people had empty worship and God hated it. God said they trampled in his courts. He asked, who asked for all of this? They were able to do the ceremony. They were able to do the pomp and circumstance, but the worship was empty. And so you know what God said they were like? They were like Sodom and Gomorrah. This phrase was synonymous with destruction back then. If they called something Sodom and Gomorrah, they thought that either it was going, it had been destroyed or it was going to be destroyed. Mentioning cities like that was common. For example, if anybody in uh, the Gulf Coast area of Texas was to say that a particular city got the Hurricane Harvey treatment, you wouldn't have to explain that to everybody. They, they would know what that meant. And so after Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, certain cities were referred 
to as Sodom and Gomorrah because either they had been destroyed or they were on their way to destruction. You know, people like to think that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for a specific sin. And they think that that specific sin was around sexuality. Allow me to turn to Ezekiel, the 16th chapter, right around uh, verse 49 and 50. If everybody, anybody ever asks, why was Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed? I submit to you, it's not your favorite sin to call out. Hear ye the word of the Lord, Isaiah 16, 49 through 50. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them as you have seen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Don't argue with me. Argue with the Bible. And so the people in the book of Isaiah were just like Sodom and Gomorrah and the people that were referred to in the book of Ezekiel. They weren't taking care of the least, the last, and the loss. There's an adage that says that a king is judged by how the lowest subjects in his court live and are treated. And so we had these people mistreating those people around them, even though they were being mistreated. They found a way to mistreat others. And then they would still come to the temple and make sacrifices. And you see, the person that was making the sacrifice was supposed to be doing this action with faith, believing that through their obedience, the wrath of God against their sin would be mitigated. It would be lessened. It would be forgiven. But the problem was, one of many, that the people got more focused on the ritual and the patterns than the relationship with God. And Isaiah tells them that God is tired of the emptiness of rituals, sacrifices, and burnt offerings. God told the people, you don't act like you genuinely love me. You just go through the motions. I hate it, and I don't want it anymore. We've got to do more than talk about it. Isaiah is telling us to take action. We cannot talk about and sit around talking about what needs to be cleaned. We have to clean it. And how does he tell us to clean it? He tells us what we need to do primarily in verses 16 and 17 when, when, when he says in the text, wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Stop doing evil. 
Isaiah tells the people to wash and make themselves clean and remove the evil doings from the sight. Stop doing evil. What does it mean to stop doing evil? I'll tell you, I think it starts with caring about more than yourself. One of the things I thought interesting when I was in all the history classes uh, getting my education is I would hear about all these people doing despicable things to other people, enslaving them and pillaging lands and burning down uh, uh, towns and taking whatever and whoever they wanted. And one of the things that came out of it is how could a human being do that to another human being? And one of the things that scholars says is the way and the reason that they were able to do that is because they didn't see the other person as human. If you don't see them as human, it's, 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 not, it's not bad to take from them. If you don't see them as human, it's okay to take things from them that's theirs. If they don't see, if the oppressors don't see the people they're oppressing as human, their mind allows them to do certain things. And so we need to be willing to see other people as human. These people only cared about themselves and nothing else. But the Bible says that we were all created in God's image. And if we want to stop treating people horribly, we first have to think about more than ourselves. And then we have to think about the other person as somebody created in God's image. Can you really bring yourself to destroy something if you really believe that it's created in God's image? We gotta stop doing evil. And then we gotta learn to do good. Learn to do good, it's never too late to learn to do good. The text says uh, learn to do right. Some translations say learn to do good. Uh, no matter your age or your academic aptitude, there is always time to learn to do good things. The adage says that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Uh, the second best time is now. We can always find time to do something new. We can always find time to learn something new. We just have to place it as a priority. You, you learn new things by getting exposure to new things and new people. If you are hanging around the same people doing the same thing, you'll get the same results. God wants us to learn how to do good stuff and new stuff, not the same thing over and over again. Stop doing evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice and defend others. They both fit in the same. Uh, seek justice and defend the oppressed and take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. This was written during a time where if you weren't a man, an adult man at that, life was rough for you. And so there would be people where you had the man of the house die. And that family would have widows and orphans, people who were unable to take care of themselves. God said it is our job as believers, as 
sons and daughters of God to take care of those who cannot take care of themselves. Theologian James Cone said that God is on the side of the oppressed. We can't be believers. We can't be Christians. We can't be people of God outside of community. And we can't take social justice out of the Bible. Uh, you know, I, I hear people that get, get upset when we start talking about social justice in the Bible and social justice in community. Uh, but the Bible is full of instructions about defending the widow and taking care of the orphan and welcoming the stranger, taking care of people who cannot help themselves. If you can't see that in the Bible, it might be because you are living on a different side of it than what we read. You might have a problem with it now because you might, if the Bible times was going on now, you might be on Pharaoh's side as opposed to Moses telling to let our people go. You might be on the Babylonian side instead of the Hebrew people in captivity. That might be where your social status is. You might be aligned with the Roman Empire instead of the small group of people following this man from Galilee. God has been there with the people at their lowest, helping them to get out. And that is what we are called to do as believers. Clean it up. Clean it up as best as we can. And the good news is, is that even though we are dirty now, Isaiah has told us we can still get clean. Even though we are dirty now, Isaiah has told us how to get clean. Even though we are dirty right now, it's not too late to get clean. The text says we'll be like snow. They shall be as white as snow, even though they've been handling bloody things. God is going to make them like snow, even though they've been handling bloody things. God is going to make them like wool. Where do we get wool from? We get them from sheep and or lambs. I, I, I take comfort in the fact that there is a text in the Old Testament that's here talking about people having to sacrifice to get the sin off of them and there being some blood involved but being made white as snow just like wool, just like the lamb. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, how precious is the flow that can make me white as snow, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And yes, I'm talking about it in an Isaiah passage, because even though we may have started in chapter one, by the time we get to chapter nine, he has something to let us know just exactly how we can get clean for good. Uh, for unto us, a son is given and the government shall be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting father and the prince of peace. Isaiah is telling them you're in a bad situation right now, but eventually there's going to be a permanent way up out of that bad situation through the one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. There's a need to get clean. Even though we're dirty, it's not too late to get clean. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Pray with me, please. Oh, Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. We thank you for every good and perfect gift that comes from above. We thank you for your word. We thank you for those who heard it and those who will hear it later, that they too will ask, what must I do to become saved, to learn about this Jesus, this blood, this sacrifice that will make us white as snow. Lord God, I ask a blessing upon everyone who heard it and that this be a seed that is planted in good soil, 30, 60, 100 fold. It is in your son's precious, perfect, powerful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching, and God bless.